Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. It's great to have you back for another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Concern about dry conditions remains very high for much of the Texas High Plains, so it was nice to see some pretty good snows over the weekend. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Successful state agricultural water conservation projects. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We celebrate National Milk Day this week. Texas is the fifth largest dairy producing state. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. Are you looking for an alternative crop for your farm? Well, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service offices in West Texas will discuss options during a virtual On the Line with AgriLife meeting January 19th. The discussion will begin at 8.30 a.m. and will last about half an hour. The virtual meeting is free. Registration is required. A link is available at today.agrilife.org. Extension will host a vineyard irrigation short course on three consecutive Fridays starting January 15th. The sessions will cover water quality, irrigation principles and technology, evapotranspiration concepts, and chemigation. Cost is $30 for one session or $75 for all three. A link to RSVP is available on today.agrilife.org. The Natural Resources Conservation Service has set the second funding application deadline for the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, or EQIP. EQIP sign-up is open year-round, but NRCS uses funding deadlines to rank projects for funding. EQIP is a voluntary program that provides financial and technical assistance to agricultural producers. It helps landowners and land managers plan and implement conservation practices to help them meet land management goals and address natural resource concerns. It can help improve water quality, soil, and air quality. Sign-up is available at NRCS offices. Interested landowners are encouraged to make an appointment. The second funding application deadline is February 12th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The La Nina weather pattern is one reason we're facing drought conditions in much of Texas. So what does that mean for cotton prices? Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says he studied the cotton market's behavior in La Nina years, and he's found that the market is usually at its highest in the spring. It suggests that there's pricing opportunities, and the pattern of it may be that we see have higher prices in the springtime. So, you know, again... With 4 million bales of ending stocks, that drop year over year in ending stocks suggests to me that we, you know, the whole December 21 range ought to be shifted higher 
and growers ought to see some of the higher prices would be around the most uncertain times of the year, March, April, and May. Robinson says the January to April time period in La Nina years tends to be a time of rising cotton prices. It's not that different than the normal price pattern. You see your higher prices in the springtime when there's uncertainty about the acres and the, and the crop establishment. You see lower prices around harvest time. But more specifically, the, the rally, the springtime rally in prices is very pronounced. It goes from about January to April. And that gives cotton growers an opportunity to price the 2021 crop. So to the extent people can forward contract or do some hedging on a reliable portion of production, which is hard to do in a drought year, those opportunities to sell at higher levels, to fix prices at higher levels, to hedge at higher levels are probably going to be earlier in the year. They're probably going to be before June. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson. Snow over the weekend was a welcome occurrence in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. With a large portion of the Texas High Plains having suffered very dry conditions for about 10 months now, any moisture is welcome, so a lot of people in the ag world were quite pleased with the weekend snows that measured about 2 to 4 inches for much of the Texas Panhandle and delivered even larger amounts to the south, including a calendar date record snowfall of 7.6 inches for Lubbock on Sunday. And then the highest total was on the western, southern Texas Plains around Denver City where 9 inches of snow was recorded. And that note from National Weather Service meteorologist Luigi Meccarillo is especially nice to hear since it is the southwestern portion of the Texas High Plains that has suffered the worst during our struggle with drought, including the county where Denver City is located, Gaines County, which was shown to be in D4 or exceptional drought status on the most recent drought monitor map. Now, as generous as the snowfall was for most of the region, Meccarillo says the eastern part of the panhandle did not get such an abundance. Areas across Collingsworth, Wheeler, uh, Hemphill counties probably start under an inch of snow at best. Even though we remain concerned about the implications of La Nina, hopefully we'll get more moisture soon, and Meccarillo says there's a slight chance of rain for some of the region next week. Now, switching gears here, as I mentioned in yesterday's report, you might want to check with your local county extension office to find out about producer education meetings occurring in your area. Due to the pandemic, many of those scheduled here in January will be conducted virtually using Zoom. Danny Nusser, regional program leader for Texas A&M AgriLife, says county agents can assist those who might need help with the technology. We've got some producers that don't do this every day, so we had to walk some guys through just how to get signed up, how to register, how to get on Zoom. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Water conservation is a big priority here in Texas, and there are grants available to help farmers achieve that goal. Tom Nicoletti has more. Since the mid-1980s, agricultural water conservation grants have been awarded to various entities in Texas. The Texas Water Development Board is now accepting applications for the fiscal year 2021 conservation grants. The deadline for political subdivisions and state agencies to apply is February 10th at 2 p.m. Applications can be submitted at TWDB's website at twdb.texas.gov. Kathleen Jackson joins me again on our program today. She is a board member with the Texas Water Development Board. She cites examples of successful water conservation projects over the years. We have many, many examples, and I'll tell you that they are all across the state of Texas. Um, in the Valley, we funded some projects for uh, several of the irrigation districts, um, planning and design, 
uh, canal lining, uh, some pipeline conversions, something called SCADA, which helps them in terms of um, scheduling, better scheduling for irrigation because through information technology and, and measuring uh, in far west Texas uh, in the El Paso area, um, canal lining and you know, system improvements to the delivery system uh, in the panhandle and the high plains, equipment cost share. So uh, a variety of different projects, but all, you know, honed in and kind of focused on, you know, getting the biggest benefit that you can for every drop of water that is consumed. What else can you add about this uh, overall uh, uh, agricultural water conservation grant program uh, Kathleen, uh, as far as uh, moving forward and uh, making it successful in 2021? I think the greatest success that we've seen with the Agricultural Water Conservation Program, which you know has been ongoing since 1985, is the value that it brings in terms of water savings and a very cost-effective way of generating water savings. Uh, just over the last five years, uh, the projects that have moved forward have achieve over 300,000 acre feet of, of savings in water, and that's real water. Water conservation is a water supply. And so to the extent that we have engagement, we have uh, different thoughts and ideas, we have people who are kind of boots on the ground that bring their leadership and they bring their talent to bear. I mean, it helps everyone within the agricultural community to be more efficient, and it helps everyone across Texas to have a reliable and uh, dependable food supply moving forward. So it's important to the success of our state. It's important for agriculture, and the Texas Water Development Board is really grateful that we have this resource available to folks to be able to move forward with this very exciting program. In Austin, that is Kathleen Jackson with the Texas Water Development Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're celebrating National Milk Day this week. Gary Joyner has the story. We raise our glass to Texas dairy farmers and dairy cows as part of National Milk Day. The January 11th event commemorates the day many think the first milk deliveries in glass bottles began in the United States. Alexander Campbell of the New York Dairy Company professed to the New York State Senate that his company was the first to make these deliveries in 1878. The average American consumes 18 gallons of milk in a year, and milk is one of the few foods that one can potentially survive wholly on. Milk has all nine essential amino acids that humans require to build proteins. I was accused of trying to live only on milk and cereal growing up. Maybe that claim wasn't actually too far from the truth. As a country, we consume 21 billion gallons of milk a year. Texas dairy farmers help fill many of those glasses and bowls. There are 351 dairies operating in our state. Texas is the fifth largest dairy producing state. Nearly 2,900 gallons of milk are produced per year on average by a Texas dairy cow. All of that helps give the Lone Star State legend dairy status. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. It should be easier to spot a bald eagle in Texas during this time of year. Jessica Domo will have more coming up in today's Wildlife Report. Plus, feeding performance horses can be a challenge. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Feeding performance horses while maintaining digestive health can be a challenge. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. The horse is adapted to a slow intake of a plant-based high-fiber diet. However, current management practices of performance horses have reduced access to forage and have replaced it with feeding meals of concentrates. And this shift makes horses more susceptible to gastrointestinal disease. Most horses need forage at 1.5 to 2% of forage in the diet, and 1.5% of a 1,000-pound horse would be about 15 pounds of hay per day minimum. Dr. Kelly Vineyard indicated at the AAEP convention that one interesting fact about grazing horses is that adult horses that are allowed to graze less than four hours per day will eat about one pound per hour, while horses allowed to graze over six hours will only eat a half a pound per hour. So if the horses know they will be allowed to graze longer, they eat slower which is less likely to cause digestive issues than those that eat faster. Stomach ulcers are a major problem in performance horses, and chewing long-stemmed forage increases saliva output, and saliva contains bicarbonate, which helps to buffer stomach acid. For this reason, feeding hay in small whole hay nets is better than feeding on the ground, and it takes them longer to eat. Forage also supplies the fermentable fiber that is required by microbial organisms in the hindgut for normal function. As far as feeding concentrates, most are high in starch, and the concern is feeding too much starch at one time, leading to rapid fermentation in the hindgut. For this reason, it's recommended to always feed less than five pounds of concentrate for a thousand pound horse per meal. If more energy is needed, the addition of fat up to 10% of the ration does not have a negative impact on intestinal health. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you'd like to see a bald eagle in Texas, this is the best time of year to do that. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. If you train your eyes on the sky this month, you might catch a glimpse of our national bird, the majestic bald eagle. Dr. Maureen Frank, wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, joins us with more. So there's kind of two different populations of bald eagles in Texas. There are some that live here year-round, and then there are some that are here during the winter. And so the ones that are here year-round are mostly found in the eastern portion of the state, and then those that come down here for the winter can kind of be found really throughout the whole state. And so we definitely see more during this time of year. And really, there have been sightings all across Texas. If you're in the right area that bald eagles will like, there's a chance that you can see one in the winter. Bald eagles are easier to see this time of year for several reasons. For one, there's less foliage on the trees, making them easier to spot. Dr. Frank explains another reason. In the winter, the 
bald eagles that are here are not nesting, they're not breeding, but there's just more of them for one, because you have all the ones that live here year round, plus all the ones that have come down here for the winter. And then also they're just going to be active because they're looking for food. During breeding season, any animal needs a lot more food because they need to feed their young, but they're also going to be spending time just sitting on the nest where you might not see them. Whereas during the winter, they're really just thinking about eating (laughs) all the time. And so you'll see them out and about more being active as they go out looking for food. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The cattle market drifted lower on Tuesday, but the big news was the USDA supply and demand report. It sent the grain markets through the roof on Tuesday. We'll take a closer look at all of those numbers, plus the livestock, cotton, energy, and financial markets. All that coming up next. Keep... Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. USDA released its latest supply and demand report on Tuesday morning, and that affected both the grain and the livestock markets. Tightening grain stocks caused big double-digit gains in the grain markets, especially the corn market, which affected livestock. We ended up closing lower for both live and feeder cattle futures on Tuesday. The feeders, of course, feeling most of the pressure from that big jump in corn prices. February live cattle down 92 cents, 112.47. The April down 70 at 117.60. June live cattle down two, 114.92. January feeder cattle dropping 277, closing at 133.22. March feeders down 292, 133.97. The April down 277 at 136.25. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. The feedlots asking 114. That's in most of our southern areas. Up north, no asking prices reported yet. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.56 at 209.25. The select up 84 cents, 196.58. Let's check the auction barns now. Nixon Livestock Commission, Nixon, Texas, selling 330 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.32 to $1.68. Three to four weights, $1.50 to $1.85. Four to 500 pounders, $1.37 to $1.70 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.18 to $1.52. Six to 700 pounders, $1.12 to $1.34. And the seven to eight weight steers, $1.10 to $1.26 a pound. Slaughter cows, 25 to 59 cents. Slaughter bulls, 67 to 85. Stocker cows, 550 to 900 a head. Giddings Livestock Commission in Giddings, Texas had a light run, only 153 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.30 to $1.90. Three to four weights, $1.28 to $1.67. Four to 500 pounders, $1.34 to $1.62 a pound. Five to 600 pound steers, $1.18 to $1.43. Six to seven weights, $1.05 to $1.36. 
and the 7-8 weight steers brought 74 cents to $1.05 a pound. Slaughter cows, 20 cents to $1.05. Slaughter bulls, 58 to 80 cents. Stocker cows, 500 to 770 a head. Cow-calf pairs brought 400 to 1,050 a pair. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs closed higher. February hogs up two at 68.50. April hogs up 57 cents, 73.52. Class three milk was lower. January milk down 16 cents at 16.39. February milk down 75, 18.68 a hundredweight. As we mentioned earlier, that big USDA supply and demand report released Tuesday morning. It really caused some movement in the markets. As far as cotton is concerned, they slashed another million bales out of the 2020 cotton crop, increased cotton exports, and lowered the domestic carryout. All of that adding up to another climb in cotton prices. We're well above 80 cents now on the old crop months. March cotton up 127 points at 81.70. The May up 128 at 82.45. New crop cotton also getting a boost, just not quite as much. December cotton up 63 points, 77.23. The grain markets got a huge boost from this USDA supply and demand report. The biggest shock coming in the corn market. They dropped yield and production. Corn yield now at 172 bushels an acre. Total corn production in the report, 14.182 billion bushels. That's 232 million below what the traders were expecting. We ended up closing with March corn jumping 25 cents, 517 and a quarter. September corn up 23 and three quarters, 479 and three quarters. December corn up 16 and three quarters, 457 and a half. Ending stocks for wheat coming in much lower than the trade was expecting. That helped to boost wheat prices, along with rumors that Russia is considering raising its export tax on wheat. Both of those factors combining to cause July Kansas City wheat to jump 26 and a quarter, 628 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 22 and a quarter at 651. In the energy markets, February natural gas unchanged 274. February crude oil up 91 cents, 53.16 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 92 points, 31,108. The Nasdaq up 50 at 13,086. The S&P 500 up 6, 3,805. Well, that's a wrap up on the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.